Hello, everyone. Welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. What's up, everybody? How are we doing? How is everyone? Just checking in. I feel like <laughs> this was like an intense, intense week. So just know we're thinking about you. We're sending you a lot of love and you're probably not the only one that's feeling the intensity. Yeah, truly an intense season. I feel like, you know, I maybe naturally with the changing of seasons, people feel a certain way, but then with everything just going on, it's like (laughs) you don't know which way is up and you also don't know what is personally you or just what you're taking on outside Mm -hmm. of you. So yeah, we are definitely thinking of you. We we, uh, recently had a session with Kiki, our resident uh, healer of sorts. Recommended by Aaron, our guest today. I mean, truly changed our life. I feel like the recommendation from Aaron to work with Kiki changed the trajectory of how we work. I think for anyone, if you're a business owner or if you're someone you know, that's even in the corporate world, I think having longstanding relationships and support was like the huge thing. I remember end of last year, it was like, okay, what is your support system for the up level that you seek? And I had never thought about that. You know, I had never thought about creating like standard supports for us as business owners, for us personally, for us spiritually, so that we could really grow into the people that we wanted to. And when you think about more often, like that person, that version of you that you seek to be, that person that you really would love or desire to be, what sort of support do they have or what are they doing each and every day or what are they doing monthly? And for us, that was having Kiki, our healer, uh, work with us at least twice a month. And then also having our coach, Aaron Rose, who is on the podcast today, having our personal therapy, et cetera. But having Kiki as that like spiritual warrior has been so cool. And I think it's been a lot of, I think it's a huge reason for like the clarity or the, yeah, the clarity of the energy of almost 30 that I've felt this year and really the protection that I've felt. I feel like I don't feel the psychic eyes. And I think for a lot of people that might be in the public space or might, you know, have their voices out there, you can sort of feel at times fearful because there's a lot of projections. There's a lot of uh, intensity of emotion. There's a lot of uh, people watching what you're doing and it can really throw you off. Yeah, I think with with Kiki and with Aaron even, I feel like it's been easier for me to track our growth because someone is reflecting back to us our growth and yes. progress. But also like just that like consistent touch point, I think allows it to like imprint more. And I think in the past when I haven't had this type of like support team, I've just felt a little bit like I'm like floating in space and I have no orientation as to like how far I've come (laughs) and what I should be proud of. And so that's actually been really nice to have in a coach like Erin in, you know, a spiritual support like Kiki, where, you know, even in our most recent session with Kiki, she was like, you know, y'all feel really good. (laughs) And for us to be like, yeah, actually, you know, what we're feeling is real. And yes, it feels energetically really good and sound and we feel protected. And the spirit of almost 30 feels really happy and um, free, you know? So it's just been such a good reminder too of like, wow, like 
yes, you are making progress. Like these little practices or these, you know, uh, reflections that they have us do or integrations that they have us do are truly, truly making a difference. Yeah. I think Aaron reflected something back to us after membership enrollment that I was like, oh yeah, this is a great reason to have a coach because there was that reminding of where we were six months ago, which felt very different. You know, Mm -hmm. I think for everyone, it felt very different. It feels like time is speeding up quite a bit, but that reminder was like, I was like, oh, this is a good reason to have a coach where you have that mirror like you're talking about. And I think you can do that for friends. You know, I think that is one of the things that I love when that happens to me, when someone's like, oh my gosh, do you remember mm-hmm. where you were at this time or what you were going through at this time? Or like, look at you now, you know, kind of like the look at you now. Cause that's like so many things in one. That's like the best things in one. It's like seeing someone, paying attention to them, <laughs> listening to them and remembering. It's yep. like, so, and then also having the confidence to bring it up in the moment. It's like all the things that I love in, in friendship all mm-hmm. in one. And, um, yeah, that's deep. That's deep presence. Oh yeah, that's just the best. Like I love that. Mm-hmm. I love like when people bring up memories or something, even memories. Yes, you're like, you know, or just thinking of you or stuff like that. But Kiki session today was really good, and I think what was helpful for the community that really came through was around like I think what was helpful for us that I'm hopeful is helpful for the community. More say is that we've recently had a lot of changes within our business of our team of the people we work with. And I think we've had to reestablish or reevaluate the boundaries that we have between business people that we do business with, between colleagues, between friends, between acquaintances, and just making sure that we're super clear on our expectations of people and people are clear of our expectations of us. And Lindsay and I are going through like an up level where we're wanting to be super direct and honest. And I think for me personally, you know, there wasn't a lot of time that I saw women being super direct and it felt like something I didn't have access to just kind of saying, you know, what it was without a lot of filler in between. And that's really our goal to be really direct with people. So people that we do business with being direct, our friends even being direct. Um, but we have had to just reestablish our boundaries and really re-understand like when you're doing something in a space that feels really heart-centered, it feels like everyone's your friend and you love everyone and it's all good, but you really do benefit from having like a better understanding, I think, in your mind of who is in the inner circle and who's just someone that is in support of your mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kiki was talking about a deep nuanced alignment and that really hit me because sometimes there are moments where I really can't describe why something that doesn't feel right, you know? And I just, you know, when she said that, where she kind of gave permission to accept kind of a really much deeper nuance of like what feels aligned to you and your soul, it just gave me permission to trust that feeling, you know, because I always think I need the words for it in order to justify and explain. Um, so I just thought that was really, really powerful. So if any of you out there are feeling kind of just that, like, just that like friction in anything that you might be in any relationship, um, or just misalignment, that type of friction or any situation, just trusting that feeling, you know, you don't necessarily need to act on it right away, but like, just kind of 
getting curious about that feeling rather than just being like, oh, you know, that's just a part of me, you know, like that part of you that you kind of like sweep under the rug. So I really, really love that. And then, yeah, I think, you know, just what you were speaking to, like getting so clear, I've realized the power of that. Um, I think I've like hid behind generalizing for a long time because it keeps me like liked, it keeps me safe. But I've realized um, how detrimental being unclear can be. And like, uh, especially in personal relationships and then business relationships. And so yes. it's really- I'm wondering though too, just when you say that, like, I feel like the, it's for me, what comes up is like being clear is detrimental. I mean, well, here's the thing. I think when you are clear <laughs> and it's detrimental, it's because the other person might be projecting their- yes shit because the clarity is too much to handle. (laughs) And then you feel bad and sad or, or shameful or guilty. But really if it, if it's, if it's centered, if it's a centered truth, like I don't think that being clear from that place can be truly detrimental. Mm -hmm. I think it's just kind of that other person's ability to receive. It's also like a change of pace. If two, because I think too, if two parties aren't being clear and then all of a sudden one party's clear, it's like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, no. like, hey, we're going to continue to dance and like be confused like longer. Yes. I thought that was like the thing. And I've realized too, it's, I don't know if you felt this way, but it's kind of been creepy for me because I keep thinking about people or situations or things. And then something's brought up about it where I'm like, oh, this feels a little sticky or this feels a little off or mm-hmm. something just doesn't feel super clear about this situation or relationship or partnership. Yes. And then days later, it's like the opportunity. (laughs) Yes. The opportunity or this other person's also thinking that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, where it's like, or it's basically like I'm thinking it and then the situation is arising in the next Mm. couple of days to address whatever it is. Mm. And it's kind of like creeping me out because I'm like, can I have like freedom in my brain. I know, truly. Can you wipe it <laughs> can't out? can my brain just like think about stuff sometimes <laughs> and not have it be like addressed? <laughs> but I feel like that's like the sixth sense, you know? It's like, yeah. it's kind of like priming your, priming your brain. Um, but yeah. And she also spoke to a, uh, a cellular upgrade. We were literally like falling asleep at points and she- <laughs> She's like laughing at me because I was still sleeping. No, we were actually laughing about something. Else. We were laughing about the fact that I was on mute and I was talking for about a minute. Oh, <laughs> I, I really was like traumatized. I was like, I was in a deep healing and my friends are laughing. At me. Oh my God. No, oh my no, God. no. no. But we had, um, yeah, dude, I don't know what the fuck was going on. But during that set healing, there was like a lot of cord cutting. There was a lot of clearing. There was a lot of just kiki stuff. And yeah, I was... I, I don't know what was going on. I was all over the place, like in different experiences mm-hmm. and realms. I felt like dream state. And then I was deeply sleeping when I heard you guys laughing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel, yeah, I feel like when she said like the cellular upgrade, I was like, oh yeah. Like we forget that like our bodies are like an antenna for all of this. And so <laughs> we have to be really, really mindful of like, really mindful of the rest state, really mindful of like how we're moving energy physically, really mindful of the body. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good reminder. Yeah, I think that's been, a, it's been interesting. I've been talking to a few of our friends recently about that have moved from LA or are out of LA. 
And we've been talking about how like in LA, I feel like I'm energetically like sticky. Like I'm dense. Mm-hmm. I just cannot. It's like energy gets stuck in my physical body. And how a lot of people, when they've left, it's like they feel so much lighter and they feel so much better. And I was even feeling like that when we were in Nashville and Austin, you know, this weekend. I was like, oh, I feel so much lighter. I feel... And lighter isn't like a weight thing. It's not like a body thing. It's not like I was weighing myself thinking I was lighter. It's just like, there's a little bit more fluidity in the way that I move. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, there's like a density that I feel in LA energetically. And I know this is so... Woo-woo. So if you're new, welcome. This is hello. Hello. a little bit how we roll, but <laughs> hello. Um, a lot of spiritual jargon, but it's all true. And I just like noticed, I was like, wow, I feel so much lighter. And it was so nice to be in um, Austin to see Aaron, you know, for this interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did it feel? Because I'm sure a lot of people out there know Austin's kind of like this place that a lot of people are migrating to. It's such an incredible, oh yeah, vibrant city. And so how did it feel to be there? So it's literally the most beautiful place. It is so freaking beautiful. I was in Hill Country with friends and it was like green and lush and there's like limestone, I think, built in the hills. And when I was on an Uber one day driving home, there was this like little family that was sitting in this creek and I just mm. wanted to freaking jump out the window. It was so cute. A family sitting in their bathing suits, all sitting in the creek, playing in the water was like, the greatest thing I've ever seen. And downtown was great. Like it just felt so good. It always feels so good. And when I landed, my soul was like, oh yeah, I love it here. Like it really does love it in Austin. I really can't say anything bad about it. Just besides, I feel so deeply connected to my community in LA. I feel like everyone's cool and real. And there's just like a click whenever with people that we love, like where you're just like, okay, we're going to sink in. And that's probably actually entrainment. You know, our energies are Mm. probably just entrained. Yeah. Really nicely together. But in Austin, I just didn't feel everyone that I hung out with, I really deeply loved. So this isn't personal to anyone that I was with, but I do feel like there's a part of the spiritual community there that didn't feel super integrated to me or didn't feel like it was mine. Mm-hmm. And I felt like there's a lot of that spiritual talk, you know, people talking about all the things and that's not always where I want to live. You know, we talk a lot about spirituality on the podcast, but it's not always my, you know, preferred state. I like to be goofy and joyful and talk about whatever the heck. So it just felt like sometimes I was like, oh man, I don't want to be like, so talking about all of this stuff because there's a part of the words and verbiage that feels inaccessible for a lot of people. And so it feels automatically when you're talking only in spiritual phrases and jargon that you're actually not being inclusive to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so usually with situations, I like to meet people and test it out, see where they're at, kind of like get a gauge. We can just kind of talk, figure it out. But it was immediately like all of that kind of discussion. And I can go there for sure, but it's just like not everyone can. And it feels like a little bit like clicky because of that. Does yeah. That yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me, actually. It's almost like the focus is so on presenting as that as a spiritual person, as whatever they want to present as. And therefore all of the energy is there instead of like, hello, you're a new person. I don't know. Let us meet on a real level rather than like kind of just like pouring all of their self into like 
presenting as such. Does that make yes. sense? Like where they're, yes. they're really not acknowledging that there is a person in front of them that they don't know and that, yeah, might not understand or yeah, I don't know. There's like, it, it, it creates kind of this like wall where it's like, yes. I don't know. Justin was like, how many containers were open? Yeah. So many containers. <laughs> he was like, Yo, how many containers were open? And then it's like, okay. So like, and then there's like that whole like divine masculine, divine feminine archetype that really feels like present there. Like people really are into that. And it doesn't feel like, it feels false and it feels like false feminine, false masculine sometimes where it's like, this is what the masculine does. This mm-hmm. is tribal. Tribal is what the masculine does. And it's like, I don't know if that's always it. Like there's like such a nuance of energetics of the masculine that's more container. That is more about the the feminine container than like jumping in a circle. <laughs> I know. On mushrooms. And by you know the way, I mean? you know what I mean? Like I... Yes. It's like sucks. I wish you. I wish we could all hang out because I would tell you guys all what I'm feeling, but I can't really say what I want to say. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. And also, you know, it is just so fucking different. And I just want to like acknowledge that, you know, the the people that you might have met for the first time and experienced this with, like, that might be real to them. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Facts. Where it's kind facts. of like they could be like, "Oh, this bitch is fucking totally." Yeah. yeah that's why. It, that's why I, sometimes I just, I do these things with my arms sometimes with people where I'm like, we're just not living on the same, like in the same yes. reality. Yes. You and know? I'm in the higher one. When I do that, <laughs> when I do the arms, I'm the higher one. So I'm just like, they are not in my higher reality. No, me and Peter were laughing at it because I was there with Peter and that was so fucking joy. Like I got to be with Peter on her 33rd birthday. I know. And be with her family and everything like that. And she's just so like allergic to that sort of spiritual jargon. Because mm-hmm. it's like, sometimes our soul doesn't want all of that. Sometimes our soul doesn't want cacao and, you know, all of this stuff. Sometimes our soul wants like a pizza. Sometimes mm-hmm. our soul wants to watch shitty TV. A lot of times it doesn't because that's like numbing, but there are times when our soul wants things that don't really feel like they're all in the spiritual community area. Yeah. And I think that's where it is. It's like, sometimes for me, the most soulful people are like Uber drivers Mm -hmm. or people that, you know, just live a life that's completely outside of anything that I do. And I felt like that in New York. When I lived in New York, I was like, damn, I have so much access to people that are literally living their soul design that I would never have access to anywhere else because it's like people that like the man on the street that's playing a trombone that migrated from a different country years yes. ago, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like these people that have such unique stories are, are felt like they were living more of their purpose in a natural way than like fitting into the spiritual community box. That's like yeah. the languages, the terms, the like blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, peace and love. Peace and love, baby. Peace and love. I'm just saying, just saying what I feel, man. But I just, I think mostly it was like, damn, I don't know if I can leave my community. I know. But someday in my life, I need to grow up. I need to grow up and I need to be an adult. I mean, I need to live in a house. So who knows? <laughs> I need to live in a house. And I need yeah, house. I think it comes down to it. I just need to live in a house. I just need a house. Um, but yes, I just need a freaking house. 
yeah, and there's plenty in Austin. Plenty How was Milana and Justin? Oh, yeah. I got to see our friend um, Milana Snow. If y'all are OGs of the podcast, Milana's been uh, just, you know, a friend, a dear friend of the pod for a long time, went on tour with us. She was great. He was great. We had dinner, the four of us. And yeah, it was just really beautiful, especially for her, but then as a friend to just kind of like celebrate her. She has a billboard up in Soho and... Yeah, we were just kind of like talking about her previous life in New York, which I've also had, but she was a model and just like really grinding, trying to make it. And her on a billboard 2021, literally her name is on the billboard for for public.com, who's a sponsor of the show. And it's, she just like emphasized how easy it was. Like she didn't try, you know, it was just, and I've experienced that so much after like years and years of pushing and trying and reaching and yeah, just like waiting to be picked type of situation, which I've talked about before, but it was just really, it was just really cool to celebrate her. She was so happy and just happy to also have um, Justin, her boyfriend there because they had never really spent time in New York together. And so she was, she was bringing him to all her yeah, just kind of like a, a trip down memory lane. And he was like, like kind Tao of, and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they got a table of Tao. Uh, like Marquee and Tao <laughs> and like all that kind of stuff. <laughs> like the general and like Tuesday, baby Tuesday. Yes. Like all that shit. Yeah. Instead of going to Tao, we came back to our, I showed her our apartment. We walked mm-hmm. back and then um, we played a game of code names. You know, speaking of, oh, spir- speaking of spiritual, okay? Like this is what we're doing. What's code names? It's just like a, it's like a card game, word game type thing that Sean is obsessed with. And so he roped them into playing a few rounds of code names and it was fun. But even that, I'm just games. like, dude, it's so fun. Like it's so fun to play games. It's so fun to just kick back, kick yeah, back yeah. with friends, you know, and not feel like you have to like, do certain things or be certain places. Like it was just very like unplanned in a lot of ways and just felt, felt really good to have like a piece of LA, you know, here. It was, it was really, really good. And, and then, then we were in Nashville for a podcast movement. So yeah, dude. Lindsay and I spoke at podcast <laughs> movement on Friday, which was so fun. It was good to, it was good to be on stage. It was so fun to be <laughs> on stage and just like nerd out. I love, I love being with fellow podcasters and- Same. And people who are behind the scenes of podcasts and yes. in the industry, like it's just fun to nerd out on something that we really love so much. We got I like to that s- you can have an answer that's closer to right than anything else. Like it's like with anything else, you're like, do whatever is good for you. Like whatever yeah. is good for you and your body. And like with podcasting, it's like these are this, these answers are almost are eighty percent accurate. Yes, like, you know what I mean. It feels good to say something and be confident that I'm saying something that's right. Yes. Whereas, like the other time, you're like, I don't know if this will work for you. Maybe it will. Maybe I don't you know. know. Like that kind of thing. Your yeah. digestion might be different than mine. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, everybody's <laughs> different. No. Some people are night owls. Some are in the morning. Some people connect with this type of thing. You know, with podcasting, it's like I can speak confidently about mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, it felt really good. We got to see our post-production team, Create Media, which was great. And then we got to see some other people that we work with. Like, it was just like fun to kind of just come together and see each other in person. (laughs) Yeah, but we stayed in uh, downtown Nashville on 2nd Street. Didn't realize that we were going to be staying right above all of the live music, 
bars and, and restaurants, which by the way, I fucking love. I love that there is live music all the time in Nashville. I think that's a really beautiful thing. And I, I adore live music and it was so loud. I could not handle. Dude, it was unbelievable. You know, when your nervous system, like you feel your nervous system vibrating. And so, you know, yeah, that it's never going to, it's not going to settle down unless it's quiet. It was so loud, dude. And it was so crazy. We were on the street where that bomb happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, we were like walking to the car and we were talking, Justin came. We were talking to Justin. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's this is the street where the bomb happened. And he was like, what? And sometimes when I say stuff, I don't want to say more. And he's like, so confused. And I'm just like, <laughs> yes, there it's like, you know, sometimes you're talking, you're like, I don't even want to talk about this. Yeah, I don't care. So you just yeah. kind of lose steam and you just mm-hmm. want to finish. I know. <laughs> but you can't say something like that and just finish. He's so like, last to, night? Like, yes, <laughs> we had to explain the whole thing. But when there was a bombing in Nashville it last the, year, the past year, mm-hmm. right down the street from where we were. Um, but my dream to get you to do karaoke failed. I know. Because we were too tired. We're so tired. We'll go back. We'll definitely go back. We got to see our friend Sarah Merrill, yes. had dinner with her, which was so nice. Yeah, across the board, like a great trip. I'm, I'm, it made me think about tour and just kind of like yes. that time. I was like, oh man. It seemed like tour, honestly. It so much like when we were on tour. And I just was glad to be like in the world. You know, yeah. I, got, I was in the Uber driving and I was like, wow, this is life, man. Because I think what's happened in the past year without people traveling is like, you look around your world and you think this is full reality. Yeah. And especially in LA where I'm like, it's not mm-hmm. so much reality. What is reality? Anyways, But it's not so much reality. So when you go to Nashville, I'm like, damn, this is what most of the world is like. This is what they like to do. This is who, you know, who they are. This is what they're interested in. And you need that. Like I needed that. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, I forgot what people look like. Yeah. I forgot what people enjoy doing. And that's not judgment. It's just like, this is so different than what I have access to. It was such a like, needed thing for mm-hmm. me to be like, oh yes, there's so much more in the world going on and happening and people believe different things. It's like, yeah, it was just needed. Yeah, completely. And we got to see a migration of swallows. Yeah, that was our bird medicine. That sis. was the bird medicine. Ba- All of a sudden- li- so no we're, one was looking. We're staying on 2nd Street, which is a busy ass street. And all of a sudden, hundreds of thousands of swallows descended upon second street only into the trees that line the street. And it was, it was biblical and no one was looking up. Only Krista and I were at the window. We're like, woo! Dude, there's 114,000 on their way to South America. Oh God. Not a person looked. It was crazy, man. It was crazy. They were so loud. They were so, yeah, it was very biblical. I need to actually look that up what that is. But another interview we have coming up with uh, Allison Charles talks a lot about mm. like uh, spirit animals and yes. like what they mean, what their medicine is. So I need to look that up, but I'm excited about the episode today. So I'm excited. excited you guys tuned in. This one's really meaningful to us. Um, we have one other episode with Aaron Rose, who's our coach. We've been working with for probably over two years now. Um, someone that is near and dear to our hearts. And I actually recorded this one solo when I was in Austin. So um, I got the opportunity to sit down with Aaron and we had like a really deep chat. 
And it's actually very recent. I recorded it a few weeks ago. So I feel like this is going to be perfect uh, for the now time. And I found this conversation just to be so good. Yeah. No, I'm so happy that you guys were able to do it in person. And um, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited for this one. What, what did you walk away from the conversation feeling? We talked a lot about optimism and the importance of optimism and really, I think, debunking the belief that if you're optimistic, you don't know what's going on. And if you're optimistic, you don't um, care about mm. what's going on. And really, that's not it at all. So we talked a lot about optimism and the importance of it. We talked a lot about freeing ourselves from the matrix. Um, we talked a lot about um, A Course in Miracles, which is a book that I read, a book that Aaron really loves. Um, which is a pretty intense text, but there's a part in Course in Miracles that I wanted to really dig into that I find interesting where it talks about um, people not being special. And it basically says, if you subscribe to to the belief that you're special, then you really think that you're like better than people. It's almost like a unity consciousness thing. If Mm. we are all one, then we are all special equally. We are not more special than the other. So I wanted to dig into that because I feel like so many of us believe that we're special in this like unique way. And sometimes it feels like a way that I have fun and I engage with myself is by feeling special. You know, I'm kind Mm -hmm. of like, oh yeah, we're we're doing this thing together. So I wanted to really dig into that and um, just have that conversation. Like, are we special uh, from the Course in Miracles perspective? And then we talked a lot about leadership, what leadership looks like right now, especially, and then a lot about freedom and liberation. You know, what does it feel like to be free? Like, what does true liberation uh, mean? And I feel like there's a lot of medicine for these times in Aaron's teachings. And Aaron is someone that um, has been an activist for a long time, um, has been a lot of different versions of himself, and is deeply committed to the work. And really, 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 um, I haven't found one, one time where I've been let down by, by Aaron in the way that Aaron shows up. I completely agree. Yeah. He's a incredibly special person. And I feel, yeah, I definitely feel like just our lives, our relationship, both personally and then in business have been changed by him. And, you know, I'm always reminded of like my own my own uh, power when I talk to him, you know, I feel like sometimes with coaches or something, you know, people in that space, it can get a little muddy where it's like, take my advice and do what I say. And I feel like he always just redirects you back to, to you and to God. And yeah, it's just been, it's been so, so powerful. So I'm excited for people. If you're just learning about and meeting Aaron Rose, this one is perfect one to dig into. It's a good one. Super juicy. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to Almost 30. We really appreciate it. We have a beautiful community that connects in our membership. And then we also um, connect on Instagram, Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram, almost30.com for all of our um, information on our membership, on Lindsay and I, on our partners. There's tons of codes that are really exciting. And we're also adding to the blog. So we're taking a lot of the content that we break down in our episodes that we have every week and putting it into blog posts. So it's really shareable, easily digested. And then make sure you subscribe to our newsletter. We send personal notes from Lindsay and I. We send tips, resources, all of the things. And then we have something exciting coming up. We have our Podcast Pro Accelerator, which is going to be really, really fun. We have 
a free offering for people that want to grow and monetize their podcast that provides you just a lot of access to insight and information that Lindsay and I use and love. And then we're going to have our accelerator program again, which we did last year. We're going to run it again this year. Um, That program sold out pretty quick and it was one of my favorite things we've ever done. And so I'm really excited to support podcasters in uh, growing their podcast, making it super healthy, making it sustainable, and then monetizing. Yeah, it's a... It's really nice because it's a small group. And I feel like being in a group like this, what we experienced last year was just this incredible momentum um, where we were supporting one another. And I think just being able to show up every single week, both in the group calls and to do the individual assignments and work just propelled the group in such a huge way. And I, you know, I'm still listening to them and watching them now. And it's really, really incredible to see their growth since the accelerator. So we're excited to announce more about that. You can go to uh, almost30.com to learn more about Podcast Pro. But thank you all for listening. We love you so much. If this episode resonated, please share it with a friend. That means a lot to us. And we will see you on the other side. We'll see you soon. We love you. Major announcement from Almost 30. We are hosting Space Camp on January 28th. This is our favorite event of the year. Camp Almost 30 has gotten a little bit of a rebrand because we were feeling like, I think we're ready to really go there. (laughs) with our community. So we are welcoming guests who we feel have really taken us to a whole other planet in our interviews and in our conversations with them. So guests like Brie Melanson, she is going to be doing a workshop on psychic development, find and tap into your gifts. She is a teacher and channel and one who has really been such a support and teacher for Chris and I throughout the years. We are welcoming Jordan Younger. So she is going to help us find our galactic origins. She is the podcast host of the Balanced Blonde podcast. She's an author. She's a spiritual teacher. We're also welcoming Lee Harris, who recently was on the podcast in a two-part episode, and he is going to channel the Z's live for us. How special. He does not do this often, so we feel very, very, very lucky. And we will also be welcoming Sandra Walter. So she is going to be teaching on Ascension 101, the crystalline grid and higher realm support. She is so special. She's a light worker and teacher and has been on the podcast. And Kristen and I are going to be sharing a very, very, very special experience, heavenly coated Reiki infused sound bath. And I'm excited for you all to join us. So this is happening on January 28th from 10 to 2 p.m. PST. Make sure you sign up. Space is limited, but it's absolutely free. Absolutely free. We're excited to welcome you. And this is the kickoff to membership opening. So membership is going to be open indefinitely now. So you can join membership for six months at a time and really, really focus uh, and support your growth. It is our favorite place to just come and be ourselves and really get super intimate with you all, more intimate than on the podcast. So I'm excited for you all to join the membership, but head to almost30.com slash space dash camp. That's almost30.com slash space dash camp space 
dash camp. <laughs> Say that 30 times. Almost30.com slash space dash camp to sign up for camp. Absolutely free. We will see you on January 28th. I want to start by talking a little bit about my wedding. Great. And how it's so weird. Or not, it's just funny because it's like having you do the prayer was like, of course. You know, it was like, yeah, of course. It was like such a right thing. And I found that the parts of my wedding that were a little like misaligned were the ones that I forced. Mm. And like the easiest ones that were like smooth and natural were the best parts. And it was just, it was such an interesting weekend of, because I feel like it activated everyone. Like everyone that left, left relationships, you know, made big moves or so many other things. And it was so beautiful just to have you really just set the whole vibe of the ceremony. Thank you so much for trusting me to do it. Mm -hmm. It was such a beautiful experience because it felt so authentic. Mm -hmm. Like there was nothing to do but just be who we were. Yeah, and like when you and Milana, you, Milana and Lindsay came in on the morning and it was such a, and I've been learning this a lot lately and you've helped me learn it, but where I'm noticing myself trying to like be something for other people. And you three are such reminders for me. You know, you're my three people that really remind me like, it's okay to receive. Like, it's okay for us to be here for you right now. Because on, on the morning of the wedding, it was just like a little, I just felt a little anxious, you know, just felt a little bit of energy moving through. So to have you guys come in and just really do a ceremony for me and a prayer by ourselves was like, such a practice for me of just receiving and of just being supported by people. And you were such a great reminder through the whole process of like, this is going to help you reestablish who deserves to be in your life and like what standards you have for people and how they show up. Because before it was kind of like, I didn't have that. And I think we were even talking about that today. And I wanted to talk about that with you was like the new or the like reestablishment of boundaries and guidelines for leaders and for peers and colleagues, like for, especially for Lindsay and I, and for you as well, like who's a peer, who's a colleague and who's like a deep friend. Mm. And I feel like that's been such a lesson for me in the past couple of years of like, okay, how can I sort of resort everyone and have standards of who's in my life? That's so beautiful. And it was so, it was such a gift to watch you receive. And to show up that morning of the wedding and to feel you allowing us in, mm -hmm. you know, allowing us to see you in your vulnerability, in your strength, in what the day meant to you. And it's like by, by being vulnerable in that way, you actually allowed more of what you wanted to, to come about. Because yes. I really believe so strongly that it's like if we don't articulate the intention, it can't happen. But it's so vulnerable to say this is what I desire. Mm -hmm. This is what's true for me because then there's that gap of will it actually happen? Mm -hmm. And it just felt like such a gift for you to trust us, mm -hmm. to hold space for you in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit more about the sort of like reestablishment of who are, you know, our intimate friends and intimate family and who really gets access to our energy because I feel like so many of our community are having like a reawakening to boundaries and like really figuring out like who are their people, who are their intimate family. And for me, it's been so interesting because I'm always like, 
I used to be like, more is better. Invite everyone. I'm friends with everyone. And now I'm really, as I'm raising my frequency in a way, I'm like, okay, this is this feels good, but this feels better. This feels free. This feels fake. And it's a lot, oftentimes not even the other people, but it's like the fine-tunement of our energies. So for you in, in your life and just like even in your work, what has that process been like where you're kind of like reattuning to the right people and figuring out who gets access to your energy? It's such a deep process. And for me, it really starts with that choice that I made to be free. And to be free, I mean to exist in the field of love, to really align myself with the truth of love because boundaries are ultimately about honoring what is, honoring how I feel, all the different little parts of me that have different emotions and different needs and honoring where the other person is as well. You know, anytime that I get in a situation where I'm still triggered and there's a little, you know, some story might come up of like, oh, wow, that's who that person is. Or wow, you know, I'm seeing the situation in a new light. The idea that someone is a bad guy or that someone has to be kicked out of my life is just really inaccessible to me when I have that commitment to love. Mm -hmm. And it's about honoring both of us. It's like, if we're not actually in resonance, God bless, please go magnetize to whatever is true for you. Because it's very painful for everybody involved to feel that kind of that, you know, we know on a quantum physics level that it's the literal molecules and particles within our being are pulling on one another, saying who's going to entrain to who, whose frequency is going to win out mm. in this space. And when we're really authentic, we give people the gift of feeling that dissonance. Either it, you know, as we show up authentically, it's like, okay, this is who I am. And someone's like, oh, whoa, this is who I am too. Mm-hmm. Like, let's actually like full send it. I feel like that has happened in our mm-hmm. relationship. The more authentic we are with each other, the more we're like, oh, hi. Yes, yes. <laughs> What's like, up? Yes. Let's, let's keep getting to know each other more mm-hmm. deeply and build and create together. But when we stand in that, it also allows people just the, the opportunity to, to consent to relationship with us as well. And so for me, I always try to look at it through that lens of neutrality and respect and knowing that there's a lot of us there's a lot of story attached to it there's a lot of family stuff and codependency and grief about old relationships and things like that but from another lens it's actually just really clear mm-hmm. the information's already there and it's at least in my practice it's my responsibility to honor it mm-hmm. yeah and that was something Lindsay said at the wedding and something i've been really thinking about lately like and she and I are similar in a lot of ways, but one of the ways is that we very much are worried about other people's experiences. And ours kind of differs. And sometimes what's nice about our relationship is like, if she's not feeling it, I'll be worried. And if I'm not feeling it, she'll be worried. So like, we kind of like worry, we kind of take each other's, you know, that role for each other when we're together. So we can almost have a break, which is really nice. Cause sometimes it'll like crack me up. Like she'll just be like totally straight and direct. And I'm like, oh, wow, like this is amazing. Like, and I can kind of take on being worried about everyone's experience. But at the wedding, she was saying, she's like, it was so interesting because I felt my energy with nothing to do. You know, there wasn't anyone that needed my tending to or needed my attention or needed my sort of perceived care of codependency. And I felt like that too. It's been interesting to have friends like you, like Lindsay, like Milana, you know, and the friends that I'm coming into relationship with now where I can feel my energy going out to them. And it's not like, it's like, it's 
it's not the boundary of the other person's energy, but it's like, there's nothing to do here. You know, and I can feel myself being like, okay, are they okay? And it's always, they're okay and they're good and they're good on their own. So there's nothing needed from me. And it's so interesting because I didn't realize that I was doing that as much in my life where I was like, okay, feeling it out. How's everyone doing? You know, how can I make everyone happy or, you know, enjoy themselves or feel seen or feel heard? And that's sort of like my gifts, but it's also how I exhaust myself. And it's been fascinating to realize that. And, you know, being friends with you is such a good example of someone that like, I, my energy has nothing to do, but be myself. And I just hope that for all people, you know, that we can feel those times when we feel our energy being leaky. We can feel ourselves being really concerned about other people's experiences and being able to be in relationship with people that are so energetically sound that nothing is needed but themselves. That's such a beautiful reflection. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that you feel that way. That's always my, it's actually a very clear intention that I have in my life is that I be that I take care of my energy in that way where if I do need something from someone, I'm explicitly asking for it. I'm not implicitly pulling it out of the other person. And to me, this speaks to the overall transition that we're going through on earth right now, which is what do we do when there's no more problems to solve? <laughs> How do we practice being creative together? You know, being spending time with you and, and other friends, it's like, the questions I want to ask are, of course, I want to check in and say, you know, what needs tending? What needs love? Um, are there things that need problem solving? But also like, what are we creating? What are we excited about? Or even just today we went swimming and we spent a bunch of time just looking at these ducks and looking at the nature and just actually being present and delighting in it and seeing all these details. And to me, it has been a real practice to have relationships based on creation and presence rather than that constant churn of chaos that has to be managed. Yeah, or gossip or the problem solving. And I actually have had to get out of that even recently. I still catch myself in that where I'm like, I see people, I'm like, hi, how's it going? And it's like, well, this thing, you know, where you're in that phase of always focusing on the, the thing, the problem, the issue that you're working with or, or going through, or that could be better. And that's just a way of like dimming our light in a lot of ways in a way of, making other people feel more safe and to be in that place of like, what's really good? You know, like what for you is really good right now? What's super nourishing? And that's like a, for a lot of people that aren't in our position that have access to people that we can have that sort of conversation with, that's like, I don't know what, if I would have felt safe being in Ohio or, or even where you were from doing that. So how can people practice, you know, being in that state of like thinking about the highest possible outcome or trying to be optimistic when they're feeling like their environment hasn't shifted yet to being a space that feels natural? Mm. Well, if the external environment hasn't shifted, then the internal environment needs some care. And for me, this always comes back to choice. What is my choice? Do I desire to have a new experience? Do I desire to have relationships based on something other than conflict, mm. drama, gossip, or just sort of, yeah, what's, what's going wrong? Do I actually, is there, is there a part of me that's ready for that? Because there are parts of me that love it, actually. There's parts of me that are actually being served by the way that things have been. It's socially safe. It makes me feel secure. It's predictable. I know that I won't create a big problem if I just show up in this way. And so actually looking at the parts of us that are like, no, I don't actually want to leave that reality. I'm actually quite fine with the way that I'm interacting. 
taking a look at those and then taking a look at the parts that are like, I'm done. I'm ready for something new. And when we make that choice, then we start to say, okay, how do I create that within myself? Where is that intimacy with myself? You know, when I sit down and I journal, is it just this person did this and this person did that? Or is it, this is what I'm excited about creating. When I look at myself, am I like, you know, in the mirror, is it just, oh, you know, this should be better. I'm worried about this. Or is it there even a moment of like, we had a good day today, buddy. Mm. I love you. You know, like, great job. Maybe you need a haircut, but I still love you. Mm -hmm. You know, just allowing yourself to meet yourself with that care and orienting yourself differently within your life, because that is then what anchors that frequency within yourself and starts to make you more and more available to that. Because once it's anchored within yourself, then you may find yourself organically saying to a friend, hey, I'm doing this new thing where I'm experimenting with connecting with people around different things. Mm -hmm. And it may feel a little bit weird, but like, I mean, we've done some weird stuff together, my friend. Like, Mm -hmm. would you be down for me to ask you some different questions? Like, are you down to experiment with me in this way? Like, what's something really weird that you saw today that made you laugh? You know, and finding these sort of small ways rather than it feeling like you're going from, yeah, just a completely different Mm -hmm. reality to being like, and now we're in new earth and everything's great. And we're talking about what we're building. Because that's also not very, like, it's like, where's the humanity? Because we also don't want to shame where we've been. It's like, shout out to all of us who gossiped. We learned from that. We learned from those experiences. And now we're going to choose something new and that's okay. Yeah, it's like, if the energy is coming into a situation where you're like wanting to like, get them, you know, where you're like, okay, we're going to talk about what's good. And they're like, I don't want to talk about what's good. And you're like, I knew you wouldn't want to talk about You know, it's like- Totally. And then it's like, when you gotcha actually look energy. at your own yes. relationship, it's like, well, you haven't given that to yourself. So of course it doesn't yes. feel natural and normal for you to receive that from other people. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Even just letting people in on it, like letting people in on the transition and the growth and sort of you know, what you're going through. And you had a really beautiful post the other day. It was, do you want to keep up appearances or do you want to be free? And I felt like that one was so powerful. And I would love to, I think, you know, we're kind of touching on that now, but I'd love to just expand on that a little bit. Yeah. Do we want to keep up appearances or do we want to be free? For me, this is about how freedom is in self-expression, allowing ourselves to be all that we are. And I think a lot of us, you know, if we're spiritual, if we're doing some self-work, our sense of like radical self-expression shows up maybe as like showing up as my higher self and like showing up as this like most exalted version of me. And that is important. That is, that is a true aspect of self. But for me, it's also about like, how do we make space for the fully divine and fully human and actually not have, and this is, I think a lifelong work in progress, but I I feel it almost somatically within my body, like dams in the flow of water. Like where am I inorganically stopping the flow of my life force? Mm-hmm. I want to tell a joke. I want to be weird. I want to like do a bunch of pushups on the floor of this room before we start the podcast. I want to, you know, wear a certain thing, eat a certain thing, drive a certain speed, you know, whatever it is, all these little things where mm-hmm. we don't realize that we're like these Pavlovian dogs with the ghost of an electric fence collar around our throat saying, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. And we can look around and say, this thing in the world makes me not free. People are prejudiced or people are going to judge me. Or if I drive that speed, a cop will pull me over. Or (laughs) if I wear that outfit, people will say, sir, you must leave this establishment or whatever it is. 
But those walls are within ourselves first. Again, it's like, we can't have a new experience if we don't allow that within ourselves. And for me, like I've been through so many iterations of myself, like through gender and sexuality and spirituality and activism and different places and so many different parts of me. And it's been this, this constant process of realizing that authenticity is a, it's a moving target. It's like a garden that has something different growing in it every day. And even when we find security in a certain identity of like, I figured it out guys. Now I'm a person who doesn't gossip. It's like (laughs) that you hit that and then there's more learning to do. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's also about that, like getting comfortable with the unsafety and the uncertainty of not being able to know Mm -hmm. exactly how we're going to show up every day and letting that be okay. Yeah. And I feel like the authenticity, it's like, I did a podcast maybe a year ago about this, but with authenticity, you know, if I was talking to someone that I grew up with, I wouldn't be authentic because if I was authentic, I'd be authentic to the version that they knew. And that's the Krista from Ohio. You know, that's this other version. And so authenticity is like a present moment thing and not you being authentic to older versions of yourself because your authenticity may be judged against a space and time that you're no longer in. And it's so important with authenticity. It's like, you can tell in the moment if someone's being authentic. It's like, yeah, there's like little filter or need of the other. And it's hard. I mean, I think for being authentic for people that, you know, and there's like a soul signature of authenticity for people. I think that's really important. Um, But there was something that you mentioned about a little bit earlier, and it's, around just like the specificity of your life. And I think this is something I think about with you is like, you're so, you have so much specificity in your life. You're so specific. And it's like very, very inspiring. It's like, what you're doing is very specific. You're like, okay, I'm doing this for this intention and this reason. And I wanna be here for this intention and this reason. And is your specificity part of your spiritual practice? Like the way that you're just so intentional with what you do and your time and your relationships and like how you create? Yeah, I think it, it, the power of intention is something that is really important to me. And it's become important to me because I think there is a quality for me of having been through so much where there is this sense of like, I don't want to waste any moment. Like, And there is that tender heart. And obviously that's a slightly scarcity-based perspective, but there's also just the actual appreciation for, at your wedding, we talked about how it was a once in a lifetime moment. Mm -hmm. This is a once in a lifetime moment. I don't want to miss it. I want to be here with you. And when I root just even simply into that intention, I want to be present with Krista Mm -hmm. right now. I want to have everything that I share be of service and be true for me. That just brings a deeper level of clarity. Those intentions are already floating in the space. We're like, of course, we want to have a good time. We want to help people. We want to be of service. We want to express ourselves. But getting just a little bit clearer, I find, is it's what allows me to really drop in and also trust mm-hmm. the, the experience. And there is so much distortion in frequency right now. There's so much energy flying around on so many different levels that I do find that my specificity and my clarity where it is organic, mm-hmm. not imposed. You know, if I try to say, okay, I'm going to do this 
then I know what it feels like when there's an inorganic, like I'm just picturing like a cage being lowered over my life, like a maze where it's like, okay, now I do this and I wake up and I do this spiritual practice in order to be a good person (laughs) and in order to stay safe from the frequency warfare occurring. It's like, that isn't, that isn't real and true. But when there is something that, that I can authentically feel within my being and I can be clear about it, I always seize, seize the opportunity to do that Mm -hmm. because it is what I find keeps me close to me and keeps me close to God and and love and and what I care about. Yeah, it's that full embodiment, which is so important. And I think about, you know, the distorted energy right now and how it's just like, especially in LA, I call LA like a spiritual yard sale. Like it's just like the energy is so wacky. There is so much. It's like, what is this? What is going on? And now it's moving so fast. And I find it so interesting, you know, as spirituality becomes more popular and more mainstream and more people are sort of connecting with other realms and beings and all these things. I was thinking when we were doing our ritual before we we, we started the, the interview, we lit candles, you know, we did this um, specific ritual in the Law of One um, throughout the book's um, series as it progresses from one through five, they have this fifth density entity that they call their friend. And it's a negatively polarized being from Orion that essentially wants to get at Carla, who's channeling Ra. So Carla is the person that channels Ra, who's the sixth dimension being that is spreading the love of unity consciousness and of the infinite creator. And so each time they channel Ra, there's a fifth density entity that's negatively polarized that tries to get in and tries to like, it's, it's so wild because this fifth density entity is the entire book is trying to really take her off her path. And one of the ways it's like, if they don't do the right ritual before, if they don't have the specificity of where the crystal is put or the Bible is put or the light or the candles are put, then it gives this like small window of opportunity for this being to come in. And I think a lot about that because I do think that there's so often when we have like half intentions and half wishes and half, you know, ungrounded or unembodied direction or truth or clarity that it can really create like a small window and like a chink for an opportunity for things to just get a little bit funky. And you have to have that like embodiment, that specificity, that clarity of voice and of truth and of like connection to source of like, this is our true intention to really be safe and supported by the other side. And what I want to talk about is like, for people that want to, and you know, I think a lot of our community calls in guides and beings and all these things. And I'm just someone that's very careful, like almost to an extent that I need to clear. But for people that are trying to connect with like God and higher beings and angelic realms, like what are your, what's your process and like, what's your advice for that? The power of intention is what comes through first. Again, I'm always, there's so much happening right now that I've just been called to get simpler and simpler. It's like, what can be true in an ongoing way, you know, where can we find that there's actually the same answer to every question that we're asking? And for me, it's a return to love and it's, a, it's the power of our free will voice mm-hmm. and our intention. And I share a lot of the same opinions that you do or the same sort of perspective around all the different energies and all yes. the different beings that are around and not in a negatively polarized or sort of fear-based way, but just like we were talking about with boundaries, like, you know, a bunch of different people might knock on my door and be like, hey, I want to help you. And I might be like, actually, I'm good. Or I need to know a little bit more about you. 
And even if you are doing this cool thing where you don't have a body and you have access to more energy than I do because you're not incarnated right now, um, that's not enough for me to trust you. Yes. And that is where my relationship with God and with Christ and just that that purity of mm-hmm. the unconditional love frequency is that's my safe place. That's where I root back into. Um, and the power, the power of intention. And, and for me, it's it's about setting that intention. What what is my intention in calling this support in? And another question I ask myself a lot is to what am I devoted? Mm-hmm. To what am I devoted? Because when we're really clear on the most zoomed out existential level, what we're devoted to, that acts as a blanket, as a protection, right? I might have these moments where I'm like, wait, am I doing this or doing that? But if I've gotten up in the morning and said, God, my life is yours. I'm here to be of service to love. Guide me. Mm -hmm. That leaves a lot fewer loopholes in my energy field for something else to come in. And I also, I don't like to take a, a fear-based approach to it, even if something whack shows up. I had mm-hmm. a, a client the other day say like, what's your practice if something weird shows up in the this, in this session, session space? And my practice is love. It's like, sorry, yes. you have to go. Like if someone just like banged down this door and showed up, I'd be like, excuse me, you need to go. Mm-hmm. I love you so much, but please leave. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be that, like I think we only get into the warfare energy if there's some, if there's some part of us, like the warfare energy meaning you know, say, having to like really cast out a negative energy and mm-hmm. all of that. It's like, there's something within us that still is processing out that, that anger at boundary violation or whatever it is. But I, in my most integrated places, I can just say, no, this doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Go yeah, back they, to God. They call it the friend because they like love it. I love it. That's, and that's how I relate to it. I'm like, and that's, you know, in, <laughs> in the, the Buddhist tradition, that's what the Buddha did with- yes with the, the dark energy that was coming in at him, he just said, hi, friend. Oh, yes. Because everything is coming back to love. Yes. That is the ultimate, ultimate. Like, and our souls know that if we are identifying something as an eternal bad guy, that we're not actually connected to the mm-hmm. highest, highest truth. So I'm always looking at where can I, somewhere within my consciousness, see, see the whole while also taking care of myself in this very specific realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was like one part where they were like, where's our fifth density friend now? And they're like, he is in fifth density space time confused as what to do because nothing is working. <laughs> and it basically was like, nothing's working. I'm really confused. Because <laughs> it was like, it was actually crazy because the fifth density entity would like try it. Like it was, it had a plan to like, I don't know. It was really dark, but it was just fascinating the way that they approached it. That love was really what like, kept removing polarity from it. So when we talk about it from a polarity perspective, when you love something that's negatively polarized, it will lose its charge because if you hate it, it will gain charge because it's gaining all of that like hateful energy, which is just so interesting. I wanted to talk a little bit about just the self-censorship piece, which you mentioned before, because I think that's something that I've been fascinated about as an experiment with myself, just all the ways I censor myself. And I think that people listening would be like, oh, she doesn't censor herself too much, but it's just fascinating how we do it. And it's even in small moments, you know, when we're like in an Uber and we want to say something kind, or we want to say, you know what I mean? You want to say something more, you want to ask a different question. It's like, I find that the self-censorship is so insidious and it's just so profound. 
But I've also found that with a mindfulness practice, that's been the only way for me to identify it mm. by having the ability to hear my thoughts as like a, an observer. When you think of self-censorship, what do you think about? I think about all of those invisible electric fence collars that we have picked up through programming and conditioning. I think about what our biology is designed to do to keep us safe. I think about being a little child and doing a little dance or doing something silly or just being yourself. And then the littlest moment where your parent turns away and you feel like, oh, they don't like it when I do that. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, cool, don't do that. Great. Because on an evolutionary level, you're like the person who's responsible for keeping me alive, I have to keep them entertained, engaged. I have to perform this kind of fawning energy and I have to match them in order to stay safe. And that is a reality for every person on this planet. We can talk about higher level trauma. We can talk about specific things that were particularly looked down upon within your culture and the ways that you're probably carrying deeper wounds related to that. But ultimately, everybody has some level of having to wake up out of that dependency and, and into the sovereignty of understanding that we do have free will, we can create our experience, and we can create the conditions in which it is safe for us to be ourself. And we can do that first within ourselves. Mm. What are ways you self-censor? Mm. To me- Didn't do push-ups before our interview? No, that was a little <laughs> example. Um, a lot of it is those smaller moments mm -hmm. with other people, like strangers. And because I'm such an exuberant person, I love people. Like, And I love to talk. Like, I love to be like, hey, did you notice that thing? Or did you, or just to like really be, I like I like to make art of conversation and, and, and like get in there with mm -hmm. people, even if we're just spending a moment together. And I will definitely have moments where I'm just like, freely expressing and someone says like, oh, hey, how's it going? I'm like, cool. You know, there's this new moon happening and I'm doing this and like, God is good. Like, you know, grateful to be on this earth and not in a way where I'm putting too much energy on them or, or kind of amping it up or hamming it up. But I'm just genuinely like, if my friend asked me this, this is what I would say. And I still have to like hold tenderness for the parts of myself that are like, oh, they didn't really connect with me around that. Yes. Um, but it's also like, but that's me and me. Like mm -hmm. I will leave that and be like, haha, Aaron, like we just had that fun experience. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also, there's a lot, I'm really in a deeper practice. Like I felt like I reached a level of mastery around this a couple of years ago in terms of just different aspects of self and being okay, owning all of it. But there's the conditions of polarization have gotten so amped up that it is an ongoing practice for me to not to not fall back into moments right where I would rather stay self-contained than say something that I cannot predict how someone's going to react to it mm. in terms of just the way that they might be politically polarized in a certain way. And I do feel like that's a huge part of my practice and my service these days is just being myself and letting that reaction happen within people and holding the energy of, even if you think something different, or even if you're actually like horrified that you're in my presence now because you <laughs> have learned something diabolical about my authentic <laughs> expression, um, like we can still be okay. Like I, mm -hmm. and so it's deeper levels of that separation programming yes. within myself. Yes. Yeah, I was just thinking about the separation programming. And just the last, I want to talk about that next, but the last thing on the self-censorship, I think the way that I noticed myself self-censoring was 
I would be in a situation and say, oh, they'll probably say this if I say this, or I know if I do this, they'll do this. And it was almost like I was getting ahead of myself with predicting the outcome of it. And then I would stop myself from saying whatever it was that I wanted to say, whether it was business or relationship or even with Lindsay. And when you're getting a few steps ahead of yourself, you're really not giving yourself the opportunity to express what it is that you want to express or the other person. And I would do that in a lot of situations. I'm like, well, they're probably going to say this. So I won't say this. And it wasn't allowing any space for like a new perspective or a new outcome to happen. Mm. Um, And like that curiosity of like, I wonder, I wonder how this person will react. And I think there's different relationships that allow for different levels of exploration around Mm -hmm. that. But with the people that we're closest with, it's, it, it interestingly exposes the, the limits we've placed on the love that we feel. It's like, wow, if, I, if this is my best friend, if this is someone I really care about, where is my level of trust in them and in myself to navigate this that I'm already ruling them out for, from seeing what's true for me? Mm-hmm. And it feels like we're, we're all deeply in a curriculum around yes. that right now. Yes. Yeah, and on that piece, you know, I thought growing up, like friendship was telling your friends everything about your life, but not everything you felt about them. Mm. And it's not like you need to go around telling your friends like, hey, I think you're this, but I've realized so much of our friendship is really the exploration of how we are in relation to one another. And especially, you know, with you and Lindsay, it's like being really honest and upfront about how we're feeling about certain things. And that's been something that you've held space for Lindsay and I And I've really learned with her that it's like me being honest about our feelings together in relationship and how she makes me feel and how I make her feel is like true intimacy because you have to let go of the outcome. You have to let go of looking bad or you have to let go of being abandoned. You have to let go of someone thinking you're, you know, bad or a bitch or all of these things. And that to me feels like more intimacy than I think a lot of what I previously had, which was like, oh, we're going to talk about this partner that I had sex with. You know what I mean? It was like talking about sex with people or talking about other people we didn't like or talking about all of these different things and moving to a space of like the, we are the stars of this relationship and how we are together relationally is really how we're going to deepen our intimacy. I love that. It's been such an honor to witness you and Lindsay step up to that line mm-hmm. again and again and soften into more trust. And you said, when you said that word abandonment, it brought up for me that it's like, we have to confront that abandonment from the other by not abandoning ourselves. Yes. By, and that's where the intimacy comes to, because you know, when we leave a conversation like that, we feel ourselves like my, I have goosebumps right now. Cause it's that sense of like, wow, like I'm really, I'm here mm-hmm. with myself. Mm-hmm. It may be scary or unpredictable, but I'm actually here with, what is. And for me, it also brings up that idea of, you know, we talked about earlier, actually voicing how we feel about the relationship to people and letting it be a co-creation rather than two like parallel autopilot trains that are just like hoping they're going to keep a pace with one another. And even the vulnerability of saying, like I sent you a text earlier being like, I appreciate you so much mm-hmm. and letting people know in your life, like how you actually feel about mm-hmm. them. And even if the stories are both positive saying, this is the story I'm telling about our relationship. Mm-hmm. This is how I feel about you. So that once it's out there, it can be seen and loved. And 
the the foundation of that for me is people who have an understanding of sovereignty, mm-hmm. who aren't going to take, oh, you feel this way about me. Well, then I guess I got to be best friends with you in this way, or I yes. guess I got to change this about myself. But it's instead like information about the individual realities that are that are intersecting where everybody knows that ultimately they're responsible for themselves. And that's what allows that deeper, longer lasting connection, at least in my experience. Yes. I'm not sure if you know this, but one out of eight couples struggle with infertility. It's kind of staggering. Most people don't know and or aren't ready to talk about it. And The thing is, we really need good data and information about our bodies in order to have informed conversations with our doctors and make the best decisions for ourselves and for our future. Sometimes we can be so lost in the shame of it all that we forget to really take action and figure out our best options. And that's why Modern Fertility was created. I've been having fertility conversations with a lot of you in my DMs, so I'm excited to talk about Modern Fertility. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home, major, major, with a simple finger prick. You mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get personalized results within six business days, okay? And you'll get insight into your hormone levels, like your ovarian reserve, aka if you have more or fewer eggs than average for your age, and other important factors that can impact your fertility. Results really go deep into what every hormone means. And you can also download the results to review with your doctor for next steps. Just to give you a sense traditional hormone testing at a fertility clinic can cost over $600. But Modern Fertility tests the same general set of hormones at a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash almost 30, you can get $30 off your test. Plus you can get reimbursed for the test through your FSA, HSA. If you want kids today or maybe one day in the future, clinically sound info about your body can help you make that decision that's right for you. So right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $30 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash almost 30. This is limited time. So take advantage now. That means your test will cost $149, which is really, really great. Hormone testing at a fertility clinic, again, can cost three times as much. Get $30 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash almost 30. That's modernfertility.com slash almost 30. It's the recognition that like I'm creating this experience, this mirror that I'm being confronted with. And the deepest focus in spiritual practice is focusing on me and focusing on like what I'm bringing to the table and what in Lindsay and I's case, what she's bringing to the table. And it's not the distraction of talking about anyone else or any other situation or, and it's just the level of intimacy that I now understand is real intimacy is so crazy. It's like, I just, I used to also think that intimacy was like sharing secrets. (laughs) It's like, okay, we're going to share secrets and then we're like intimate, but it was really felt a little bit leaky you know, it was like, okay, so if you're sharing secrets with everyone or you're sharing this with everyone, then who gets access to the deepest parts of you? You know, who gets true access to like the layers of your existence and who you are? It's, Absolutely. It's been really beautiful. Separation, the separation piece. I was thinking about this lately with separation and I'm curious of what you think about it. And I was actually, I've, we've never talked about this before, but I find it fascinating that in A Course in Miracles, 
which is a book that you gifted me that I leave through every single day. It talks about being special, that we're not all special. And special is a way in which we separate. And I find that to be so fascinating because I've been thinking about that lately a lot where I feel like I'm walking through my day and because I'm the you know player one of my game, I'm like, I'm very special. You know, I'm not, you know, you kind of are noticing that you're having a different experience than everyone else. You perceive that. And I feel like I'm special. And I feel like a lot of people that I know feel like they're special. But then there is also the belief that if I think I'm special, then I think that I'm different than people and that I almost create a hierarchy of being better. And I'd love to know your thoughts on that. Like if people are special, if they're not, and a little bit of separation as well. That's a beautiful question. And we are all special. You're special. I'm special. Like we're all so, in, in a certain sense of the word, we are, right? We're so unique. We're so important. I like to tell people that they're divinely iconic. You know, it's a, you are a, a once in a, in a never again, limited edition run. No one else like you. And that is so special. And I really feel that we're, we're being asked to honor that on a deeper level, asked to really see ourselves as sacred and important. Um, but the way that the Course talks about it, and for those who aren't familiar, A Course in Miracles is basically a metaphysical text that takes the reader on the journey from fear to love. And if you stick with it and you go deep into it, it helps heal your consciousness of the instinct to go to fear and separation rather than to live um, through the logic of love. And A Course in Miracles makes a distinction between the special relationship and the holy relationship. So it's sort of, it puts special and holy as opposed to one another. And when I go really, really, really zoomed out, when I, when I think about the, the admonition against the specialness, it's that, yeah, you and I could look at each other and be like, we're so special. Like we're so unique. No one else gets us. Like, and then we're like stoked. We're like, cool. I just saw us sitting in a little clubhouse, um, like in a tree house. We're like, we're so cool. Like we love each other. Like, you know, you know, everybody else is great too. We love them, but like, there's something really unique here that makes us feel safer. And that is true on a certain third dimensional level, as we've spoken about with the boundaries and things like that. Like there are people that we're meant to be closer or not close to. It's very unique and amazing when you feel connected, but on that eternal soul level to believe that we are any different from someone else is ultimately a lie that will create suffering. If I find safety in, I'm special in this particular way, I've got this identity, I can be close to all the people with that identity, that feels really good for a minute. But then it starts to break down because it's, it's like I almost saw like a video game, you turn and it's like, oh, that building's starting to crumble because it's not, this, it's not the ultimate resting place for our soul because truly we are all one. And, and the course talks about how, you know, the, what they describe as the teachers of God, people who've chosen to live lives oriented towards love, the only qualification is that someone, it says somewhere, somehow, someone has decided to not see their interests as separate from someone else's. And the holy relationship is that acknowledgement of, I can access salvation, unity, love equally with anybody because we are truly, truly all one. Mm. Yeah, I know it's such a weird thing because you're like, I want being special to be a positive where I'm like, I love myself enough to be special. But there is a part of it where if we are all one, then we are not necessarily because we are all special. 
And to me, it's it's a paradox, right? Yes. Something else I speak about is relatable brilliance. You know, we we often see people finding relatability and unity through, oh, I'm such a mess. Oh my, my God, life is such dude, a mess, right? I'm just this dumb human, like never gonna get it right. You know, all the self-deprecating that's things. Brand. That's a whole female brand. A hundred percent. being like, so what? I drank a whole bottle of wine and fell asleep watching Real Housewives. And everyone's like, yes, queen, self-care. Just like, yes, sure. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how we've learned how to pr- perform our shortcomings as another yes. form of authenticity, as another form of creating belonging, creating security. And to me, this idea of releasing the idea of a special relationship, it's also happening simultaneously with the fact that we're getting correct perception of ourselves. Mm. We are divine beings. We are so powerful. We are so beautiful. We are so innocent. We are so pure. We are amazing. Every single person, like we are literally made in the image of of an infinitely loving creator. And we're given this realm with so much power where we can create beautiful things and how we live and how we interact is beautiful. Like just even the fact that we can smile and that we want to connect and we want to belong and we're seeking that reunification. There's, we are, we are incredible. And so for me, the, the correction of perception is both, wow, I am one with everyone. And creating these artificial hierarchies doesn't actually serve me, but also I don't have to see my oneness by letting myself stay in a lower frequency where I'm performing things and acting out from my lower nature in a way that doesn't actually honor me. Yeah, I think the performing the shortcomings is like, I don't know if it's like an Instagram trend, but it definitely is very much a thing that happens where people feel more comfortable when people are sharing their their shortcomings. And it's almost like a meme culture of sorts. And I find it to be really popular amongst women. And there's almost like, I think about when we first started the podcast, you know, five years ago, it's like, that was a little bit part of the brand of us not performing because it was true, but like there was this attachment or excitement about how we were messes. And not that I'm perfect now by any stretch, but it's like, I just speak less of those shortcomings. I've integrated a lot of them. I've kind of noticed the patterns in a lot of them, but it's like, I feel like for women, it's really popular in our community because we're all so used to being oppressed that it is really scary when we see a woman that's like in her power. Mm. That's like, you know, we had Debbie Brown on a few months ago and I was like, you know, what are you like, what are you working with right now? Or like, what's something that you're really focused on? And she's like, I'm good. I'm really good. It was baller. It was so baller. It was like intoxicating. You're like, yo, damn. And she's good. Like, it's truthful. It's like, she's good. And just, you know, what if there was a situation with women, you know, and even thinking about our listeners where someone walked up and you're like, what, what are you working with? Like, what are you healing? And you're like, I'm healed. You know, I'm like, Jazz the Moon Mother talks about, it. I'm identifying as healed. And it's like, yo, like we would be like, no, you're not. You know, people would kind of in their head be like, oh my God, can you believe? Yeah, the and audacity. The audacity. Of this human who has decided that they're free. And it brings up this idea of perfectionism where mm. part of, I think, the performance of the shortcoming, shortcoming is this idea of, is it okay for me 
to be a mess, right? Like, yeah. like I can still be here and be loved even though I'm struggling with this thing. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, when they feel that step into leadership and they feel that step into their greatness and their power, there's this sense of, oh no, what if this means that I, I have to just be perfect now yes. and I can't mess up at all mm-hmm. and I can't have that glass of wine and I can't actually accidentally judge that person yes. and I can't feel weird about my body sometimes or whatever it is, but it's ultimately for me about that integration of fully divine, fully human. Like, can we give ourselves the space to claim all that we are and to not have our humanness disqualify us from owning that? And can we get comfortable as well with celebrating other people? This brings up Mm -hmm. the energy of the panopticon, the surveillance state, this sense of- Can you talk about what that is? Yeah, the panopticon is the, if you picture a prison cell tower, there's a a cylinder of the guard tower in the middle, and then there's a circle of cells around it. And the windows of the guard tower are tinted. And so at any given moment, the prisoners know I could be being watched, but they can never tell when. They could have a guard there once who calls someone out who sees something and they could literally never have someone else in that guard tower again. But that sense of, I could be being watched, I shouldn't cross the line, is something that is, it's, it was invented in the 17 and 1800s for prison control, but it's now been instituted in our entire society. You can see the way that people self-police with the sense of someone could be watching, mm-hmm. whoever that someone is. You know, is it someone else in my my parents' town who's going to judge me? Is it the government? Whatever it is. And so we we walk around with this self-policing. And when I see, I just saw the energy of someone standing in their power and then people trying to pull them by the ankle back down. Don't do that. You're going to draw attention to us, right? You're going to rock the boat. You're going to turn the eyes on us in a negative way. So it's interesting to look at how we're programmed to keep each other small as a way of staying safe. I almost, like I see kids in a, in a family unit where if someone's too loud, the parents are gonna get mad at everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's like, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. And we're still playing that out. Mm-hmm. I know I always say, I'm like, whenever I have kids, they're gonna scream their heads off. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like, oh, that's them. I can't wait to meet your kids. They're gonna scream their heads off. And I'm be like, that's my kids. Whatever. Can't wait to- and You're going to toss them the mic and be like, let it out, baby. I can't wait. They're going to be, we're just going to make them be little pranksters. Um, but when Peta was here yesterday, she was saying that with, with her children, she's like, you know, I, as a mom, have to continue to come back to like how, and she's the greatest mirror for how I censor myself. You know, the other day she asked, she said she asked for like heels, like little kid heels. So we got her those little like click clack heels. And she's like, I noticed myself being like, oh, she shouldn't have heels, you know? She wanted heels. So I bought her like little baby heels, you know, like little kitten heels. And she's like, it's been so powerful because kids don't censor themselves. And it's such a good mirror for the ways in which that we do. I think so much of what I'm seeing right now with self-censorship is around, obviously in my community, around women and feeling like it's not safe for them to fully express or fully be or claim their sovereignty or claim you know, their own liberation. Um, it's that witch wound. Yes. It's that that martyr wound that so many people are carrying. That sense of, I've been here before. Whether you think about it in a past life or you think about it just epigenetically through your ancestry and 
what your beautiful body knows to expect when you feel a certain frequency in your throat, a lot of us are carrying that sense of it's literally life or death. It's life or death because mom or dad might leave me. It's life or death because I have seen people step up before and be taken out. And I just want to anchor right now in this moment that we get to be a generation where that doesn't happen, where we survive, where the people who speak truth live long lives because we have the consciousness to see how it's played out, which means we have the consciousness to make a new choice and to create it for ourselves to say, if I'm scared of people coming and tearing me down, where am I tearing myself down and where am I tearing down others? And where can I just, what's the next right action where I can bring a little bit more tenderness and support for those aspects of myself and others so that it starts to feel safer. Mm. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really beautiful. And in, you know, when we talk about Course in Miracles, I did want to ask about um, the, the illusion in Course in Miracles. It talks a lot about the illusion and I have some understanding of it, but it's actually, you know, Course in Miracles is very radical. It's fascinating. Like I, I, read, ra- I read radical things and it's very radical. So can you talk a little bit about the illusion as referenced in A Course in Miracles? The illusion as referenced in A Course in Miracles, the way I understand it is that it is the illusion of fear. It is that love is the only eternal reality. We have free will. Course in Miracles talks about how you can design a world of your choosing. You can live in whatever world you want, but there's a world that is ceaseless beyond whatever you're seeing. That is the world of love. And the illusion is anytime we believe more in fear than love, anytime we think, oh, I actually have to give in to this limitation or there is a reason to attack. There is a, there's a reason to hate. There's a reason to think that this person is disqualified from love. This person is irredeemable. This part of myself is irredeemable. And it's, it can feel like a tall order, but for me, I find the deepest peace. Like I, I love the way that this, this text articulates what I know to be true deep within my bones, which is that everything that is not love, it's like, I just see it like a, it's like a haze or like an overlay in a video game. It's like those moments where you think someone's given you a dirty look and they're actually not, right? And they're just like looking at something behind you mm-hmm. and you're getting ready and you're like, why is this person staring at me in the coffee shop? That's and Justin then, all day. He's like, why is everyone looking at me? God bless Justin. Yeah, yeah it's like you, we, we get ready for a fight that isn't even there. Yes. And we don't realize how powerful we are. Mm-hmm. We don't realize that we have created all of this on a certain level. And then it's a collective amnesia that we're getting to wake up out of. And if that feels too zoomed out and like, we'll look at all these different things and fear Israel and war and all of that, let's bring it back to self, right? These places where we are at war within ourselves and we are believing that we are, that we're damned, that we're doomed, that we're wrong just as we are. And if we can let a little bit of love back in, I always see love like water, like water just going across a landscape where there's places that have been parched we can let that in, some part of us knows that that's what's real. And as we do that within ourselves, it gives us the resource and the tools and the perspective to be able to do that, Mm. quote unquote, externally. Mm. Yeah, the illusion work in A Course in Miracles has been helpful. And just whenever I find myself too caught up in everything that's going on, I'm like, oh, remember, this is the illusion. (laughs) You know, like this is an illusion. This is all an illusion. And I think a lot about 
that is like the simulation a little bit, you know, like us being in the simulation. And I've been thinking about lately how I think the simulation is actually, we have our spirit experience, which is, you know, me here. And then we have our oversoul and our oversoul is actually sort of overseeing all of the experiences that it's having and this being one of them. So it's almost like the oversoul is the simulation controller. And instead of it being something that's like more ominous of like, who's controlling the simulation? It feels like it's like my oversoul because each of these experiences really is for our highest and greatest good. And when you see it like that, you're really able to be like, oh, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for those really challenging times that made me have better boundaries, have better standards, you know, be more clear on my path. And the oversoul is like that kind simulation controller. And then the oversoul obviously reports to God, you know, it's kind of like that. We see it as a hierarchy, but it really isn't. But do you feel like we're in a simulation? A hundred percent. Yeah. I feel like we're in a simulation in the most neutral way. Mm. When I look at quantum physics, when I look at what the latest research, and I say latest, but it's many of it has been around for a long time. And I also believe that there were most likely civilizations before this current iteration of history that had this information as well. But when we look at the, the data and the research, it's, it shows us that reality is projected outward from within us. The question of where the projection is coming from through our consciousness is still one, you're sort of speaking to it, right? Oversoul, God, um, it's still one that I think folks are, are, are navigating. But when we understand that reality is based on frequency and what is happening externally is a mirror to our internal state, to me, that's a simulation. It's like, oh, if I change my face, then the mirror looks different. Mm. And if everything is a mirror to me, then I'm certainly here to learn a lot about myself. I'm here to learn a lot about love. And I think when people feel that the simulation energy, for some people, it feels way too like disembodied and yeah. like it's like not heart-centered or it's like creepy. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's almost like learning about like, oh, this is what the air is made of, or this is what the water is made of. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is what this reality is. It's mm-hmm. like really, really high-tech VR mm-hmm. that we get to fully immerse ourselves into and learn amazing lessons. And like you said, I have been through a gnarly stuff in this life. It has been really hard, but on a deeper level, I know that like I'm there's a there's a satisfaction in the whole experience because I'm learning about love. I'm learning about what it means to be devoted to God. I'm learning about relationship between self and other. It's a nonstop, mm. nonstop education. <laughs> do you feel like we're in a simulation? Yeah, yeah, I do. And it's like, I had to pull myself out of the doom and gloom of it. And that's what I feel like with a lot of things that are mystical and could be beautiful are sort of what happens when I feel like the collective is going to learn about something, the negative polarity will sort of take it first and be like, we're going to make it scary first. So that's with aliens, you know, sort of making it feel, making us feel like aliens are coming, they might take over, aliens, you know, are negative aliens, all these things, and aliens outside of us, or it's like with the simulation where it's like the simulation, we're in a simulation and it's pretty much a video game and everything's fake. And, you know, this kind of like negative, scary thing, but I think looking at it from the lens of even manifestation, like if you're, a believer of manifestation and you participate in manifestation, manifestation is interaction with the simulation. 
So if you're creating with intention, with like the clearance of God source to create whatever it is that you want to create, then you're interacting with the simulation in a way that feels positive for you. So when we sort of reframe it as something that can be positive, like when we become conscious, we're able to interact with the simulation. And I think that's the the biggest key. And a lot of spiritual texts will talk about like consciousness is the goal of this existence is to become conscious. And something else that's interesting too is um, in Law of One, it talks a lot about the wanderers. Mm. And the wanderers are um, higher dimensional beings that come to earth to support in the evolution. And Jesus was a good example of a wanderer. They actually, you know, they believe that everyone is a child of God. So Jesus wasn't specifically the child, the like only single child of God, but Jesus was a wanderer that came. And as wanderers, you know, it's really important for you to remember your truth, remember who you are and really see past the veil. And I think a lot of our community, you know, yours and, and ours as well, are wanderers who are really needing to remember who they are. Because if you don't, and it's not a scary thing, you have you come back. Because the, really the goal is to lift the veil, remember who you are, remember who God is, remember what consciousness is. And a lot of people right now are really remembering who they are. And it's really part of their path as wanderers on this, on this road. And I think for most people, they kind of go back and forth from remembering to forgetting, from remembering to forgetting, because it feels scary at times. And there's a lot of numbing opportunities. What are some other ways that you see people sort of forgetting about love or forgetting about their mission in this life, whether it's through separation or giving their power away or numbing? I think there's a lot of different things. Mm. Did you know that the drugs we take to manage period cramps were invented in the 1950s and exclusively tested on men? (laughs) What? It's literally outrageous that there hasn't been more innovation when it comes to periods. Deloon is changing that with dietitian formulated solutions that relieve our symptoms while actually supporting cycle health. Because our cycles affect every aspect of our wellness, period pain, mood, sleep, skin, metabolism, energy, and more. I, I don't know about you, but you know, some some months I'm like, oh my gosh, like everything has to stop, but it really can't because I'm experiencing you know, really bad cramps or headaches, fatigue, bloating, you name it. I've really tried a lot of things. And while I think I've gotten most of my symptoms under control, it doesn't mean they still don't happen and kind of disrupt my flow. So I was really excited to find Deloon and recommend it to a lot of my friends and they have been absolutely loving it. I was talking to a friend the other day that experienced like really, really bad periods, cramps and just all these symptoms. And she was so happy uh, to try Deloon. She's noticed that her symptoms have subsided. They don't last as long. They're not as intense and she can really just be in her life, which is really nice. So Deloon Nutritional Solutions are dietitian formulated to work with your cycle health, not against it. It'll help you all month long while also relieving your cramps and PMS during your period. Deloon creates effective drug-free supplements for period cramps, PMS, and optimal cycle health. So you can get the relief you need naturally, which I'm all about, and start feeling like your best self. So if you want high potency, fast acting supplements for your period cramps, PMS, and 
really getting your cycle health in its prime top condition, like 92% of their customers report that relief, try to loon. Leave bad periods behind and start the new year off with 23% off. Go to cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. If Deloon isn't the right match for you, your money back is guaranteed. That's cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. The illusion to me presents as that question between, wait, do I believe more or completely in the reality of this world versus this deeper reality, this remembrance of who I am on a soul level? And I do believe, as you said, like once we have that understanding of, it's not really that there's this fear, it's just that there's different levels of truth. It's like, this is a particular kind of reality. And there are other realities that are connected to this reality. And that can be very neutral and positive. And you know, people talk a lot about like being woke and being awake and things like that. For me, the ultimate classification is, do you understand on some level that there is something beyond this external experience and that you are an eternal soul having a temporary, albeit very prolonged experience here on earth? And what are you doing with that information, right? How are you participating in, participating with your power here, participating in making something beautiful of this life, participating in, you know, people obviously have a lot of fear around God and, and the way that that's been programmed by religion. But for me, it's like worship through gratitude, just actually enjoying this reality because I am here. Like I, this is where my consciousness is focused. And I feel really blessed to have had the level of suffering that I had earlier in my life because it really rock bottomed me out of the logic of separation. I went through a lot of trauma with my family. I went through a lot of trauma and violence out in the world, a lot of discrimination. And I had a world full of bad guys. I had a world full of people saying, kill off this part of yourself and then we'll love you. Or we hate who you are and you shouldn't even be here. And so much attack energy. I had so many, I have like a little, like a, hyperbolic scroll full of names that I could say, this person did me wrong. This person did me wrong. And I could go on Dr. Phil and he would be like, yes, they did, honey. Like there's, <laughs> there's a lot of different things I could point to. And I did, and I made an identity of it. And I mm. said, like, the world has been out to get me and we need to fight for justice. And having those bad guys being in that logic of I'm good, they're bad. If they'll change their behavior, everything will be okay that really got me nowhere. I learned a lot of lessons, but it wasn't until I, in, in many ways, was face down on the bathroom floor, just suffering, excruciating pain of the trauma of my existence and the failure of all of my coping strategies. And that is when I called upon God. And that is what, when I allowed a new perspective in and I saw how life began to change when I took 100% responsibility for my experience and when I chose love. And when I said, I'm not going to let this holographic boogeyman live rent-free in my mind. I'm not going to live my life like there's all these people out to get me. I'm not going to tell a story that just because I went through this, then this means that I'm going to have this more limited future. I'm not going to tell the story that just because I have X, Y, and Z identities that people are going to treat me a certain way. 
And as I started to really live into that logic of love, and that's when I embraced A Course in Miracles. And I just, you know, A Course in Miracles says, I could see peace instead of this. Mm. What cause of, for anger do I have when I'm looking upon a world that merely awaits my blessing to be free? And these invocations of it could be different. And so I had an experience of that. I had an experience of living in the logic of fear and then making a new choice. So if people are, you know, you ask like, how, how would you recommend helping people, you know, connect to that remembrance? Everybody's on their own path with that remembrance. And with that moment where you have a choice that you're like, I'm not doing that again. I am, I'm not going to tango with that, with that illusion of the bad guys and the fear and the cutting off parts of myself and the living in shame and guilt for myself and others as, as being the way to get out of the pain. Yeah, the identity piece of of it all is really hard. And so for you, that it seems like surrender was the first. Or what, what did you say responsibility and surrender? Surrender, there was a moment of letting something else in, of mm-hmm. saying, I've reached the limit of my own understanding. The logic that got me into this is not going to get me out of it. Mm-hmm. And there was an acknowledgement of that. And in that moment, I said, God, my life is yours. In a way that was both very logical and I was very aware of what was happening, but I also was, it's almost like the energy of like a kid running back to their parent or just something very organic happening. I couldn't, in the moment, I didn't even quite understand what I was doing, but there was something in me that said, this is what, this is what we do. And I called upon God, I surrendered my life over, and then things started to shift. Within literally a week, A Course in Miracles came into my life um, and many other teachers, many other perspectives, and things began to shift. And one of the perspectives that came to me in that moment was, oh, I'm running the show. Like the call is coming from inside the house. No exceptions. <laughs> no exceptions is so hard. It really is. It's a, it's a, it's a, constant, a constant practice still. Um, but it was through that surrender and saying like, I've been trying to live my life. I've been trying to be good. I've been trying to live my life in service to love. But like, I, I need deeper support and understanding what that is. That's what brought me the perspective of, of what it means to really live as a steward of love and also what it means to understand that I control my experience mm-hmm. of this reality and no one else changing their behavior is going to change how I feel. With that process, did you lose friends? Oh, 100%. Yeah. And people drop like flies. Um, and I, I still send them a lot of love. And it, it was a massive clearing out. The couple of weeks after that surrender point, I had been, I knew intuitively that I wasn't supposed to be working for someone else. I had already felt that call and I was kind of cheating the intuitive system. I was contracting, but I was showing up like nine to five or like nine to eight um, at, this, at this job. And I was working in service to someone else's mission and vision. That was really the distinction there. I was not fully in my own mission. And within a couple of weeks of that surrender point and starting to do the work, um, I came into work one day and learned that they were defrauding the investors and that there was incredibly shady stuff going on. And I had to pack up all of my belongings in that moment and walk out having, I think I had a thousand bucks. I didn't know how I was going to pay my next month's rent, had no line of sight on what was going to happen, but I just knew on principle. They called me and they said, do you want this large six-figure sum to work for us for one more month, give us all your intellectual property, and then you can leave. So they offered me all more money than I could have ever even imagined being offered. 
And I had to say no. And that was like, that was the initiation. So that got cleared out. And then friends started just to, to disappear. And not even because they were like, F you, you're different now. It was just the tides of frequency swept us Mm -hmm. in different places. But there were also friends who stayed and who I got deeper with in ways that really surprised me. Mm. Yeah, that's the best, the ones that stick around. So for, because I think for a lot of our community, they're having that situation where they're sort of losing friends or they're they're wanting to even find new, more aligned friendships. What what advice do you give to people for that? Be your own best friend. Mm. I'm always going to keep bringing it back to that That's calls so coming true. from inside the house, but it's like, do you like you? Mm. All of us are still navigating different layers of shame and guilt on some level, I think. But are you cool with your own company? Do you delight in your own weirdness? Do you let yourself like the things that you like? What do you like doing with your time? When someone isn't inviting you and you're not just kind of numbing through going with the flow, what do you like? Start doing a little bit more of that. Start spending time with yourself um, in that way and set those intentions. You know, one of the things that I have my clients do is write their universal rider, like the rider being the, the, the elements in a contract that you know, for performing artists is performing and they're like, okay, well, I'm, I will green, come and do green this. M&Ms. Green m ms <laughs> celery juice, like water that's this pH. And I used to think those things were kind of like, it was always presented to me as silly or like, oh, Pretentious. you know, stars. Yes. Now I get it. I'm like, please make sure uh, that there's- 100%. A snack that I can eat and some yes. water. And so I have people say like, okay, if you really understand that what's happening is that you are choosing to align yourself with love in a world that is addicted to the logic of fear. And that is a tremendous act of bravery and a tremendous act of leadership. You deserve to be supported. You deserve to be supported. Support is who you are. So you don't have to surrender to life being suffering and craziness. You can say, these are my intentions. I'm giving my life to love. I'm choosing what my soul came here to do on a higher level. And in order to do that, God, take these friends away from me if I'm not supposed to have them, but please keep the ones I'm meant to. Please show me how to stay in supportive community. And if you take someone away, please bring someone in right away. Mm -hmm. Like, please bring me the people who are gonna love and uplift me, or at least, and, and I always say, give me the eyes to see. Because a lot of the time people show up, but we're like still, you know, kind of, halfway looking back at the old reality, we don't even see what's in front of us. We don't see the opportunity for connection. So I'm big on like praying like you're talking to the, the kindest parent who wants mm-hmm. to support you. And, but you have to say what you need mm-hmm. in order to get it. Yeah, that's been a huge part of our working together where it was like, it was my default to be like, oh man, this is happening. And you're like, what would be your ideal outcome? I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I didn't even let myself think about what the ideal outcome would be. And for us, we've had like a, quite a shift in the people that we work with and our team and, you know, who is our like collaborators and thinking about how I was sort of settling in a lot of ways, you know, where it was like 50% there. And that I wasn't even giving myself the opportunity to be like, oh, what would be my 100%? And even setting that intention of the 100% helped us bring in, you know, our OBMs right now that we're working with our online business managers that are like rock stars. You know, they're amazing and it happens so quickly and naturally and it still blows my mind. And 
I try and do that with Justin a lot because I feel like in our relationship and just in his life, he is a lot still and like, okay, this is going bad. This is going wrong. And I'm so grateful that I can pass along like, okay, what would be the best scenario? What would be your dream? And a lot of people don't even allow themselves to dream or have hope. And I think that's what's been hard about 2020 was seeing people lose a lot of hope. Totally. It, it hit that part of us that was yes. vulnerable. Yes. Because I'm, you know, I'm Mr. Hope. Optimism is like my orientation and it's my mission. And it still, it got in there for those, those little parts, right? Those little parts that, that wondered if it was okay to hope, right? And I think for all of us, it's shown those lights on those, those places of us that, that needed that deeper love. And it refined us in that way of like, okay, even when things seem so wild, like where is that logic of hope? That logic of I'm responsible for my experience and anything is possible, no matter what is happening outside, I'm still swimming in a stream of infinite potential with a God that loves me and a free will voice that will actually summon to me Mm -hmm. what I desire if I'm internally aligned with it and ready for it. And the vulnerability of saying, yo, this is what I want even to yourself can be so hard because we're used to being let down. We got this religious programming that's like, yo, if you tell God what you want and you don't get it, that means you're bad. Mm -hmm. You're sinful. You have original sin. You're not good enough, right? We're carrying that shame. And anybody listening to this right now who wants to just, who's feeling that, right? You can just, there's within you, there's a space where you can say, I'm ready to put this shame down. Mm -hmm. I can see and observe it and see that it's not actually who I am. And with everything that feels so big like this, I'm always about baby steps. What's the next right action? Can I just acknowledge even 5% more of what is calling to me? Mm -hmm. And can I often, I encourage people to create a neutral space. You're not just like sitting down with your journal, like this is what I'm going to create in my life and it has to look like this. It's like, what if I just start a running list of things I prefer? I love being able to go for a swim in the morning. I love when my friends are nice to me. I love when I feel connected to my partner. I love when I have extra time where I don't have to do anything. I love when I get to eat organic food. I love when my friends laugh at my weird jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love when I make this amount of money and I feel this way about it. Mm-hmm. Right? And allows us to kind of just start to notice what it is that we want to be focusing on and creating. And often when we make that list, there will be things that seem to contradict each other. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I want to live in a city, but I want to be in nature. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to have friends like this, but I also want friends like this. Oh, I want to be able to like be barefoot all the time, but also be wearing high fashion clothes. Like I want, and I find that I love those contradictions. Mm-hmm. I love when we're like, wait, this doesn't make sense because that's where we get to invite God in. And we get to say, here's all the puzzle pieces, rearrange it and show me what this picture is actually supposed to look like. Because there's always more than what we can see available. Yes. And that's where we see all our stories. Yeah. You know, like if you look at your list and you're like, okay, the shoes and the bare feet and the shoes don't make sense that's a story that you have where it's like, oh, I believe that I can only live in the city or rural country, or I can only be someone that doesn't care about clothes or does, you know, and kind of where we're stuck in the binary of like this or that. And I think allowing ourselves to create the list free of the stories or of the limitations of what we believe is possible is like the most important because that's a way of self-censorship where you're like, okay, this is the story I believe that I can't live in a place that has a lot of nature, that's in a city. What story am I telling myself and how am I censoring even my dreams of writing that down? 
completely. And we look around and we're like, the world is restricting me or people yes. judge me. And it's like, we're not even letting this co-creational mechanism of our consciousness acknowledge what it actually desires that we're already noticing. We're not even allowing it to, to breathe and to, and to impress us and to create what we desire. And for a lot of people, it's small things. Mm-hmm. It's like taking an extra few minutes to go get that green juice. It's like asking your partner for a little bit, you know, can we just like give each other a hug for three minutes every morning? Mm-hmm. Cause it makes me feel really good when I feel connected with you when the, when the day starts or, you know, these little things that actually are the moments that make our entire life that set the frequency of this entire planet. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how much we, we discount them. And we also, we don't give ourselves permission to, to create what we want. Mm-hmm. We interviewed um, Zach Bush recently. Love him obsessed, who's like Jesus Christ incarnate. Um, And he was talking a lot about how the point of this lifetime or like our experience is not so much love, but also, but in this specific example, beauty and how beauty is like one of the points of being here, like understanding, seeing, recognizing, being with beauty, like a flower, a tree. Um, what do you think about beauty and how it plays a role in your life? I love beauty. It's one of my core values is ensuring that I'm honoring the beauty around me. I'm taking the time to observe it and, and absorb it and just see there's literally, there's so much perfection around us. And when we can get right-sized with that and we can sit in it, then we start to say, oh, wow, life really is abundant. Everything is okay. Like life is persisting tenaciously all around me, no matter what. Even when things are, are hard, people are taking the time to build beautiful things. People are praying multiple times a day and singing these beautiful words. Like life is exquisite. And for me, valuing that and taking the time to, to be with that I, somewhere on a soul level, I understand that the vantage point, the eyes I'm looking through, all my other senses, I don't have these somewhere else. Mm. There's a reason that I have them here. And I want to do my very best to, to live viscerally into it. And for me, that is also love because love is just presence. Love is unconditional witnessing. It's like light that goes into every nook and cranny and observes it all. And when we feel so chaotic or crazy or scared about the world, beauty is also what brings us back because it, it's literally stabilizing for the consciousness, for the nervous system to see the natural order of creation all around us. I love that. My last question I want to talk about, um, we were talking about on our swoon today is unconditional, unconditional love and how you really have to, acclimate your nervous system to, and your set yourself to receiving unconditional love. And I was someone, you know, that felt like in one area of my life being little, I didn't receive a lot of unconditional love. And I realized as I'm older that I've restricted my giving of unconditional love um, in that space. But I think being in relationship with you and realizing that you know, there is unconditional love that's possible. It can be 
interesting how you react and how people react when they receive unconditional love because love is so conditional. What has yeah. been your experience with unconditional love and giving in it, giving it and being in the presence of it? I'm going to reiterate first what I've said several times, which is that the internal experience that we have mm. with our love for ourselves, I find dictates so much of what our experience is. I have incredible mentors who are my soul family. I love them so deeply. They've been with me on so many different, so many chapters of my journey. They've seen me through it. And lately I've been feeling like, wow, they, they're loving me so much more deeply. I, like I feel so loved by them. And then I was realizing, I was like, this is actually how they've been showing up the entire time. Mm-hmm. This is about me actually having the space to receive the unconditional witnessing and to not disqualify myself from this sight, from this care, from these people who see a big, beautiful soul who's infinite love and and who they honor as that. And all of the messy human stuff is just part of it. And we love it all. So the internal experience, I think, dictates so much. And the frequency of unconditional love is, I mean, it's intense. I find that people sometimes react by, they confuse it with other kinds of love, right? People who will feel like, oh my God, you must be in love with me. Or like, there must be something romantic happening here because you're just witnessing me Mm -hmm. and you're smiling at me and you are focused on me and you care about me and there's, and you don't see anything wrong with me. And I think we, we often only really get tastes of that in a honeymoon stage of a relationship where we're like, nothing is wrong with you. Everything's perfect. Honestly. (laughs) And I love those. I, years ago, I had that realization. Where I was like, romantic love is so beautiful because even if you know we go back into the distortion, the separation with no tools to navigate it, we get that taste of the yeah. unity and the unconditionality yes. of what love really is. Um, so sometimes people have that reaction if they want to draw really close to it. They don't realize that that is the special relationship energy too. It's like, oh, Aaron makes me feel this way because you know, when I'm close to Aaron, I feel loved. Not knowing that that love is available within us. And so a huge part of what my work is, is about helping people locate that within themselves, kind of brokering the peace deals internally. So it feels like something that's self-sourced and and sourced through relationship with God. And then sometimes people will also, they'll have a very visceral pushback relationship. I think about how people reacted to Jesus. People were like, this man is the devil. And Mm -hmm. he was like, I love you guys. I love you so much. Mm -hmm. I love you. I see you beyond anything that's happening here. You are perfect. You're whole, you're complete. You're children of God. I love you. Mm -hmm. And that is light that when it hits on you and, and what's happening is unconditional witnessing of all your BS. Sometimes you just think, oh, this person's looking at my BS. They must be judging me. Or this is bringing up so much in me that I can't actually handle it. I don't have the tools to integrate it. So this process of attuning our bodies to freedom Mm-hmm. attuning our nervous systems to love. We can get tastes of it. I believe we can claim it fully in this moment. And also to me, it feels like the greatest curriculum that we're, that we're moving through as a collective. What does it look like to operate from a place of unity that respects sovereignty mm-hmm. rather than the fear and the division that we've been so programmed to be used to? Mm. Unity that respects sovereignty is such a good one. That is so beautiful. What can our lovely community expect from you? From oh, you? I'm just feeling into it for a second. 
the answer that came through first was just like the mission of love. Like mm-hmm. we're creating more and more spaces for people to connect back into that remembrance, that remembrance of like, I am an infinite being of love. And that is not some fantastical, supernatural, spiritual thing that, you know, rockets me out of this existence. That's something I can live right now. I can live the medicine of love. I can live this empowerment of understanding my free will, of having a relationship with God, of having, being healed of my past and my shame. This is something that can actually, I deserve to have that change the quality of my human life on earth in an embodied way. And everything that I'm working on right now is really in service to that and supporting this this next wave of leaders because I truly believe that we are all leaders. Everyone who's waking up, who's listening to this right now, we can just take that deep breath and feel like, wow, I'm here for something enormous. I'm, I'm already in it. This conversation is it. Even wondering if there's an alternative to fear, to limitation, to lack, to suffering is it. So everything that I'm doing is, is deeply of service to that. Um, I have a book coming out next year that we'll be able to share more about soon. That's for anybody who feels that call of like, I know I'm here for something bigger and I know that there's a different way of doing it, but what is it? And what is my particular way of being of service? Um, and in the short term, people can find me at AaronXRose.com and also on Instagram at AaronXRose, where I post most days and would love to hear from you. And I yes. just, I love Almost 30 Nation. Y'all are the best. Yeah, they're the best, honestly. The, the most kind, beautiful people. All right, guys, we love you so much. We will see you on the next one. So much love. Bye. Thank you all for tuning in to Almost 30 Podcast. If you love this one, definitely share it with a friend. That's how we've grown. It's always nice to you know send something to a friend that you're thinking of them. And you can connect with Aaron Rose online. You can connect with Aaron Rose on his website at AaronXRose.com. And then on Instagram at AaronXRose. And he shares a lot of content that we love. Mm. Yes. And thank you so much to our sponsors for this episode. As always, just vetting brands and products and just sharing the ones that we truly use and love. Thank you to Pum Nutrition, Drops, Sugar Break, and Fable Home. You can find all discount information on our website, almost30.com under the partnerships page and also in our show notes. So check it out. Thank you all so much. And we'll see you next time. We'll see you soon. Bye.